hello and welcome to another wonderful glorious episode of Train Pop Culture. I am your host, Kimbo, and I am joined by my stablemates. Johnson. Burns. And the first one out the rumble, Strawn. And today, gents, and ladies, if you're so inclined, we are going to talk about wrestling. If you hadn't guessed, I know it was subtle hints at the start there, um, we're going to talk about who we like now, who we liked in the past, and who we think you should keep an eye on. But we're going to open, as always, with how we got into wrestling. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gently introduce us, massage us in, if you will. I got into wrestling very young because my dad had it on every morning when I woke up at the weekends because he had weekends off and my mum wasn't there to control the television. So we watched the WWF slash E recap show that was on Sky One that was always hosted by Josh Matthews. Shout out, Josh. Um, And yeah, it stuck with me until I was about 10. Then I just fell out of it hard. Then I watched little bits with my youngest brother, who is the biggest wrestling nerd I know. He puts Tony Khan to shame sometimes. And then I got really back into it because I watched the Royal Rumble in 2017? I'm going to say 17. Um, When the Hardys returned. Hmm? When the Hardys returned. That was WrestleMania, that's the Royal Rumble. And it was, was 2018. It? Yeah. It was 2018. It had nothing to do with the Hardys. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, mainly it was the tag team thing. Was it when New Day hosted? Yeah. I apologize. It was 2018 because it was the first women's rumble. That's how I remember. Um, yeah. Um, and now I still watch wrestling. I watch all of WWE. I watch NXT. I watch AEW. I watch Impact sometimes. It's very expensive, though. And I maybe watch New Japan. What about you, Johnson? Uh, well, I, I, I sort of got into it uh, uh, in secondary school in the early 90s when it was a craze. It, uh, for some reason, it was a craze at our school. It just sort of... You know how fads do at school. They just sort of sweep through and suddenly everyone loves this one thing. For some reason, it was wrestling it as and so i was watching it and it was like actually this is this is actually quite fun because especially in the 90s when it was just weird and brutal you know we had attitude we had attitude era and so on and so it was just it was really and it made you made especially back then it made us sort of feel a bit more grown up than we were because it was you know it was but it was Still, it was you know people throwing each other around onto essentially. I, I know, not they're not soft mats. I've actually built one of the bloody stages. They're not soft, but the idea people have, you know, it's still men throwing each other onto the mats and so on. But then they all they do other stuff. They you know like bringing sledgehammers and um, tacks on the the um, what's it you know tacks on on the canvas, throwing them people off, hell, off the hell in a cell, so not just a cage, throwing someone off a hell in a cell, 
all the mad stuff. So I quite, so I sort of got into it then. And then after uh, school and sort of after college, I sort of, it sort of fell out of favour because I, I don't know. I just sort of, st- I was going, I was going to college, going to uni. So I sort of, f- yeah, fell out of it because I just sort of stopped watching when I went to college and uni. No real opportunity to watch it. I was getting into a lot of other stuff at the t- time, and then yeah, I sort of came back to it thanks to sort of thanks to you guys, really, because you talked to, talked about it a lot. So it was that sort of if your close friends are talking about it a lot, you're gonna pay attention and oh, go on, I'll see what they're all banging on about, and then you sort of watch it again and you go, oh, I remember now. Oh, that's right. I remember because, yeah, I remember when I was sort of in college and people would say, oh, you, uh, you know, you're watching wrestling. It's all fake. And I go, well, at, at the time, I was, like, I was like, well, I know it's fake, but I don't like soaps. This is my soap opera. You know, it's like, how is it any less weird than yours? You're talking, you know, how, you know, when people talk about, oh, like, um, Coronation Street in EastEnders. So you just happen to have multiple paedophiles and murderers and all this stuff on one street and the street hasn't been investigated by the serious crimes unit in all its 20 30 years you find that perfectly acceptable for one street to have all this weird shit but these people throwing each other around in a thing that's meant to be throwing each other around clues in the name wrestling you think that's odd so it's just point that out and it's like look it's it's my soap opera. I like the storylines and I like the weird people be- basically beating the crap out of each other in a safe way. So that, that was sort of me. I quite enjoyed because uh, just some of the characters, especially, as I say, in the mid to late 90s, really, really just sort of they had some weird, some interesting stuff going on. But yeah, that's me. That was my history. Um, for me... I'm sort of late to the party, which I feel like I say a little bit too frequently um, when it comes to doing this sort of stuff. But although I arrived late to the party, I arrived to the party with 18 bottles of tequila and a cut-off T-shirt. Like, I I came late, but came hard and ready to party. Um, It was me. Phrasing. Phrasing. (laughs) Phrasing. Um, But, yeah, it was sort of mainly, like, Strawn does the independent circuits round Stoke and Kimbo, who I was working with on days at the time, kind of was talking about it a lot. And I've, I've been aware of it. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm completely new to the game. Like, I was aware that it was happening. You couldn't really grow up in the 90s without being aware of WWE and the Attitude Era and what was going on. But it was just never something like I grew up in a household of... And one of four girls, like it, it, we weren't their target demographic, um, strangely. So it never really was something I was into as a kid. But meeting Kimbo and talking to him about it, like his passion for that is infectious. So he'd sit there talking about like what he was watching at the weekend and what pay per view was coming up that month. And I was like, do you know what? Like I might give this a go because between Kimbo talking very passionately about it and Strong being like oh god yeah I'm I was into that I am into that and I do I help out with like a local wrestling company 
the, the wind blew in the right direction at a very specific time. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to give this a go. And it's just sort of glorious. Like, I'm now at the stage where when people go, oh, I don't know why you bother wasting your time with that, it's fake. Much like what Johnson was saying. I was like, well, you don't, you don't have the same attitude when you're watching Hollyoaks or when you're watching Avengers or you're watching a play or you're reading a book. Like it's, it's, ent- it's sports entertainment. It's not pretending that it's an Olympic sport. It's not that type of wrestling. It's, it's a soap opera in Lycra with stuntmen and it, what it does, it does really well. It, you know, some of the stories are a bit old hat, but it's moved on such a long way in kind of recent years. It's really fucking interesting. It's got a lot of balls again. It's super fun. Like there's characters that you just love to hate. You get passionate about how much you hate them and you want to see them fail and you hate it when they win because they win on dodgy fucking grounds and you get really fucking pissed off about it and you want to buy the t-shirts and you want to watch the pay-per-views and you want to invest that time and see what happens and who gets the belt next and will they bleed and will they fail or will they rise and is this new up-and-coming guy going to be what you think he's going to be and is this old kind of gunslinger of the past era has still got it in him when he makes a return for SummerSlam and WrestleMania and whatnot. And so I might, I might have been sort of late to the party, but I was kind of given a bit of a gift and it's something I enjoy with my friends and we nerd out about. And I'm kind of, I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm a wrestling nerd now. I might have arrived a bit late, but I'm all in. Hey. Nicely put there, Burns. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's a bit of a convoluted story because I was I grew up with my brother watching it, and I was just dead against it. I was like, "Oh, you're watching this crap, and it's it's all fake, and it's just men in lycra doing stupid stunts and stuff." I was like, "It's not my cup of tea. I'd rather watch Dragon Ball Z, which is even more inflated, fucking stupid storylines." But their fights last six months rather than 20 minutes in the ring. Um, fast forward to seven years ago, and I'm helping out a wrestling company. And thanks to that, a massive shout out to Philip Peter for you. I am now a hardcore wrestling fan. And I think without that sort of insight into the industry, I wouldn't have been where I am now. But it's done me the world of good to see the true side of wrestling, like see the independent guys and see how it's actually done and see the work they put their bodies through and how hard they work to do those 15 minutes in the ring and how hard it does hit them. And it's been a phenomenal seven years at the people for you. And now I'm, as I've said, I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. I watch AW almost religiously. And I watch every people of you show when I'm working there. So, yeah, it's been a bit late to the party, but I enjoy it. And speaking of guys at Pedal for You, I will hand over to Kimbo because he has something to say about one of our favourite guys. So before I hand it over to the ghosts of wrestling past, present and future, I thought we should talk about a wrestling god, if you will. The king of double fisting. Your friend of mine. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's 
that is one hell of an in-joke that the listeners are really going to be scratching their heads at. That's a beautiful <laughs> joke, just for us. Well, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about your friend of mine, Sugar Dunkerton, a.k.a. Pineapple Pete. Basically, when I was like, we should need to do a getting to know you wrestling, I realised that all of them were going to pick Sugar Dunkerton for at least one category. I knew all of us were going to do it. So I thought, let's make it easy. Let's just do a little sugar appreciation at the start. Then we can talk about lesser mortals than sugar. So, Mr. Dunkerton, Sir Pineapple Pete, we salute you, your work, and your ability to double fist. I will now graciously pass over to the ghost of wrestling past, Johnson. So, yeah, so as uh, Kimbo said, uh, ghost of wrestling past, essentially, yeah, great. It's more sort of greatest that we thought of all time. So, throughout our wrestling history, who do we sort of most, who have we most enjoyed? You know, Oh, sorry, with that phrasing and double fisting, that's not. Uh, um, yeah, who have we most watched? I, I'm stopped. Kane. Kane was awesome. Kane's storyline was all, for me, was always absolutely brilliant. Really loved every time he, he came on. And I, I, I love the fact that basically, because he, especially in the days for. And I was really watching it. He never, never spoke. And he would just come on and through his mask, you could see his eyes and he could manage to act through through a mask with just his eyes. And you knew the intent. And you're just like, oh, crap, Kane's here. Someone's going through something. And it just pop up anywhere and it would be absolutely brilliant. And I, I really enjoyed actually watching him wrestle because he was quite a very good wrestler he wasn't just a, a, it wasn't just a big guy that would pick people up he'd actually properly do stuff and actually have a, a wrestling match with people rather than just a, sort of chucking people around but I also another one it sort of shows because quite a, show, it sort of shows a pattern because one of my other favorites was from the uh, this is really showing me just from WCW when WWE was WWF and it was actually in competition with WCW. It was the time when they were both sort of at the peak. And for me, from WCW was Sting. Sting, for me, was an absolutely brilliant wrestler. Um, and again, it was always ent- always entertaining to watch him, just to, just to watch him go, just to watch him uh, work, just to watch him work the ring. And again, it'd be used as that sort of figure of fear. It'd sort of pop up, you know, with his ghost, uh, well, his corpse paint, pop up from like from somewhere and just absolutely annihilate people. It was really fun. And one of my other favourites, just because, just I don't think there's a single person that can't like him, and that's Macho Man Randy Savage. That I think it's actually physically impossible for you not to like Macho Man Ra- Randy Savage. I mean, it, it, it's. I think for me, uh, his wrestling was 
was okay. He was still a good wrestler for me. It was all about the outring stuff. It was all about the pro- cutting the promos and doing the videos, and the fact that he could, the f- the fact that he could pronounce single letters within words. It, it, most people don't do that. He would emphasize like T's at the end of something, so he'd be like tight, and you really forced the last bit out, and it was just a brilliant little thing to watch. It's just to him going, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna fight." Oh yeah! See, still gives me a giggle just watching and just just listening. You just know it's going to be an absolute delight just to listen to the man speak and just it's like, yeah, it could be, it could be. Most of this could just be a promo for Macho Man, and I'd still sit there smiling my head off because it'd be absolutely just absolutely perfect just to watch Macho Man go about him about his thing. And finally, I think all-time greatest, just because he did have a massive streak, and he was just, he was just a powerhouse. It was Goldberg for me? And I remember the first time, first time he retired, um, when he was given uh, uh, Vince gave him that challenge where he's like, you've got to win so many matches in a row, uh, or your career's over. And he got, I think it was like ten. And he ended up doing nine and lost the ninth. And it was like, oh, and so at the time when I was younger, I was like, ah, oh, you can't get rid of him. And then, of course, as you get older, you realize actually they're human beings. He probably, it was probably his idea because he didn't want to wrestle for a bit, you know. But yeah, I, I, so I think it shows that it's like uh, most of them were big, giant guys who would just throw other, other people around, or they absolutely had massive personalities. What about everyone else? Um, for me, I'm say apologies in advance. I'm sort of newer to the party, and I do appreciate some of the old guard. Like there's certain guys that are just incredible. But we're talking about personally, who has hit home with us and who we think is greatest in terms of our personal opinion. For me, first would have to be Jeff Hardy. I just think that that guy. Back in his day when they were inventing table ladders and chairs matches and swanton bombing off a fucking 12-foot ladder and nearly crippling himself. And he's still fucking just as captivating is the word. Like you watch him in the ring and he's you're just completely awestruck by him. He's got this personality and this character. And yeah, he's had his troubles, but he always comes back strong and he's mesmerizing. You can't take your eyes off the guy. The stuff he puts his body through is just borderline barbaric. I think he might be masochistic in nature. And he's incredible. And he makes other people look good. Even when things fuck up, he can make somebody else look good. The stuff that he did when it was, you know, the Hardy Boys and uh, Edge and Christian and the fucking Dudley, Dudley boys. I'm right. Oh, I'm having a moment where I've had a brain fart because I've been drinking rum. Um, <laughs> but like that, that era was absolutely groundbreaking and necessary for wrestling to move forward. They changed the nature of the game with what they did back then. They really shook everything up and they made people want more of that. And you don't get things 
like some of the fights we've seen in the AEW pay-per-views recently if it hadn't have been for the Hardy Boys and the other tag teams that they were working with at the time back then. And I think Jeff has been central to a lot of very important paradigm shifts in the industry. And I just think he's fucking awesome. Also would bang. But that's aside. Um, but yeah, for me, I think he will be... He is destined to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. It would be ridiculous for him to not be for what he's done for WWE alone. Um, I just think he's an absolute marvel. He's a gift that keeps on giving. And for somebody to have been doing this for this long and taken that many hits on his bump card to still be able to turn out what he's doing at the level he's doing it at, I think it would be disingenuous to argue that he couldn't be considered one of the greatest of all time. I've only picked two for this category. And my second one might rock the boat a little bit because she's relatively new in terms of her character and what she's done. However, I would argue that Becky Lynch has got to be, in the future at least, and I think even for what she's done in the recent last couple of years, one of the greatest female representatives for the wrestling scene. The stuff she's achieved in the small time that she's been at the company, and the last two years specifically, she's worked her fucking man balls off to get where she's got. She's never been gifted it. She's not from a wrestling family. She's just had to fucking grind. And this is Becky Two Belts. This is the man. This is the modern era's version of a Stone Cold Steve Austin. She comes in in a leather with a fucking attitude and says, fight me, bitches. She took a fucking broken face and styled it out. I mean, the woman is incredible. She's incredible to watch in the ring. She's technically proficient. And she's never fallen into those bullshitty female wrestler tropes. She's never been out with like a tits up to a chin and a soft porn focus with slutty music. She's always come out as the alternative looking girl with a fucking steampunk glasses on in years gone by, up to now where she's basically fucking Kill Bill bride with her black and yellow. She's just been an incredibly strong, positive female role model. I mean, shit, she's the first woman to be on the WWE game. She's been the first female wrestler to be on one of the, the major magazines. I can't remember which one now, but they've never led a WWE article with a female wrestler before. She's completely changing the shape of what women at WWE can be. And I know there's Charlotte Flair, and I know there's others. I know that there was the Ronda Rousey thing. Ronda was great, but Ronda got shoved down her throats. And Charlotte gets shoved down her throats. And Sasha is incredible. And I feel like she gets misused now and again. Becky, somehow, in a company where if you're not Vince's blonde shiny, you don't always tend to do very well, has somehow managed to get over so hard that even when she tried, they tried to turn her heel, the crowds turned up with the man banners and cheered her when she was being quote-unquote bitch that woman has balls for days she is one of my greatest I think she'll go down in history she will be in the hall of fame and in 10 20 years time there will be women 
that are also making massive waves in the industry that go, I remember being a kid and watching Becky Lynch and going, this is what I want. I think she's a game changer. And power to her. I'm all for the man. I think for me, if you want to talk about people who have put their bodies through the industry and suffered for their artwork, and I could name other names, people that have died doing this stuff, but for men who are still alive, and how he's still alive is beyond my fucking comprehension. But there's only one name for me, but the greatest of all time, and that is Mick motherfucking Foley. And that's not his real middle name, but I'll stand by it. Yes, Mick it Foley. is. <laughs> I've seen his birth certificate. It's Mick motherfucking Foley. I've seen it. Mick Foley. Mama Foley would not be amused by by his middle name being motherfucker. He's Mama <laughs> Foley's baby boy. Jim Ross is sure. ashamed of you right now, Johnson. Ashamed. Well, Jim Mick Ross is afraid of every. Is ashamed of everyone. I mean, surely his middle name would be Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it totally would. Um, but yeah, that guy has suffered for us and suffered for our enjoyment. The hell in the cell, the thumbtacks. Jesus, what that guy is. It's like he had a tooth go through his nose. Like that, that is something like I've not even seen in Hollywood, let alone on actual television. Wow. And to come out and do a Royal Rumble in three different gimmicks and still lose. That takes gigantic cojones to do that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember when he, yeah, he had Mankind, um, Cactus Jack, and Mick Foley, wasn't Buddy it? Love. All three. Buddy Love? Dude Love. It was Buddy Love. No, it was Dude Love. Dude Love. It was, yeah, it was Dude Love, all three. <laughs> oh, I remember. See what I mean? The 90s period, just absolutely mental. One guy did three entrances to the same match. Yeah, and you believed everyone was different. Because every gimmick was so unique. You had Mankind, who was that unhinged, like, weird cousin of the family. You just you put away in asylum when they were young and you forgot about it. You didn't talk about it. If your auntie asked, if, if your mum asked, like, oh, what happened to so-and-so? Like, oh, we don't talk about him. He's the black sheep of the family. Then you've got Dude Love. How that man was meant to have sex appeal is beyond me. But my God, he was a handsome chap before he got his fucking face caved in a few times. And you got Cactus Jack, a fucking beefed up fucking lumberjack looking motherfucker. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. And it's, yeah, Mick Foley. The entire wrestling wouldn't be the hardcore thing it is without Mick. And I stand by that. Kimbo. Just before I tell you how incorrect all of your picks are, because my three are the only three correct picks, um, if you forgot possibly the most disgusting Mick Forward story, the man lost half his ear in a wrestling match because his head got caught in between some ropes. And he was <laughs> and he thought it was fine. That wasn't a sign, oh I should retire. I've lost half an ear. Mick Foley took that as oh shit. Now I need to fall off a twenty foot cage. Thanks, Mick. Cheers. I don't need to, you know, have a beating heart 
I do yes. feel like Foley is basically all three picks in one for Strawn. And if I had to pick another one, it would have been Foley. I just want to go, thank you, Mick. You're a fucking legend. And I completely agree with Strawn. Like, he's a fucking god amongst men. He shouldn't be alive. And I'm so glad that he is. A round of applause. This is why, for me, like everyone else has picked three or four different wrestlers. Technically, I've picked one, but on paper, I've picked three. <laughs> fair. Nope, that's fair. I, I actually did pick three, and they're not all the same wrestler. Um, I'm going to start with the one that's kind of been spoken about a bit earlier, uh, Jeff Hardy. Um, so I started watching late 90s, so the time that Matt was on about the tables, ladders, chairs matches, the Edge Hardy Boys, um, Dudley Boys, Triple Threats and Ladder Matches. And the stuff Jeff did was absolutely incredible. The Swantons, the Poetry Emotions, the Whispers in the Wind, all of it just... Like, I should have related to Matt more. We share a name. He should have been my guy. But Jeff, Jeff was incredible. Um, I... Normally, if someone else picked a wrestler that I would have spoken about, I drop it and talk about it someone else. But I felt like I had something more to offer on Jeff because of Nat's hole in her wrestling knowledge where she didn't watch. She uh, missed Jeff Hardy's runs in Impact, um, which I didn't because my little brother is the biggest wrestling nerd on planet Earth and loved Impact. And Jeff Hardy in Impact was a different beast. He was unhinged he was incredible there there was a story in impact and and please go and watch it where matt lost jeff lost to matt hardy and as a condition of him losing to matt he couldn't do any aerial based maneuvers and he couldn't speak that was his gimmick he was a mute ground based wrestler that is not what jeff hardy has ever been before and he was still the most captivating man on every show he was on. The evolution of the man's incredible. How he's adapted from late 90s crazy attitude era wrestling to 2020 COVID arena wrestling is incredible. And he deserves all of the kudos. Another man who has adapted with age is the whole fucking show, Rob Van Dam. If you're going to get upset because Rob Van Damme smokes weed and sells weed sometimes, don't listen to my podcast anymore because I have no time for you. For everyone else, thank you for staying for my little PSA. Um, Rob Van Damme's incredible. The man... So, and because I'm a sad nerd who doesn't listen to things, who researches weird things in his off time, I wondered what the difference between a frog splash and a five-star frog splash was. And the difference is a frog splash is just a straight splash. You don't rotate in the air. RVD does a 90-degree rotation whilst jumping off the top rope to make sure he lands sternum on sternum. So he doesn't reposition his foe on the ground. He repositions himself in the air. The athleticism is unbridled. The man's in his 50s, and there was a picture of him on, on Twitter the other day doing the splits whilst lifting weights. Because he's a still active wrestler. It boggles my mind. 
the stuff I read an interview where he said he didn't know he had to protect his head from chair shots whilst he was in ECW and he ignored Vince McMahon telling him to do that for three years and then started to do it because he was getting concussions he he shouldn't be alive but he's still alive he's possibly living his best life if if you I'm not going to go into it too much, but please go and see his Twitter, and you will see he's living his best life, and he's still an active wrestler, and it's insane. Uh, my final choice is the King of Kings. Possibly the most controversial choice, because people he's very Marmite with people. Triple H, Hunter, Big Papa H, whatever you want to call him, is, for me, the greatest of all time. And I'll tell you for why. Because he plays every angle believably. Do you want a stuffy man in a suit to come and control everything? Triple H can do that. You want someone to be a badass babyface and come from underneath? Triple H can do that. You want someone to be someone younger guys look up to? Triple H has done that multiple times. You want someone to tell really dad-sounding dick jokes? Triple That's DX. That was DX twice. And Triple H and if you want a big man to absolutely love a Pomeranian whilst also being both of them vampires, Triple H is also for you as well. I don't Please see tell what me type... people got that reference. I got the reference. You're okay. You're okay. Basically, I don't understand what type of person sees Triple H as a bad thing. Yes, there was the, the era of domination, or whatever you want to call it, where Triple H was booped so far over the hill, it was ridiculous. But Triple H can only ask for his booking. He doesn't have to grant it. Yes, there's some questionable storylines with Kane and Booker T that we're not going to delve into too much. But Triple H just did what was on the paper. He should have said no. He didn't. Because he's a consummate professional. Triple H is the greatest of all time. I will now hand over to the ghost of wrestling current, Miss Burns. Just before we uh, slip, I do find it interesting that the one that was pretty much voted the greatest of all time and has had an entire documentary series made about him, none of us picked, and that was Undertaker. I do find that quite interesting. That all of us basically went, yeah, he's great, and he's he's been doing it for God knows how long, but... I mean, I didn't pick him either, so <laughs> I can't complain. For the listeners who are questioning why none of us picked The Undertaker, I can only speak for me, but I assume uh, Natalie and Sean may agree with this. The reason I didn't select him is his body of work is so inconsistent. It's, it's great and it's long, but his golden era wrestling isn't for me. I don't like golden era wrestling. I'm a heave and I'm aware. Um, his attitude era stuff's great. His early 2000s stuff completely depends if you like Biker Taker. I love it. Some people hate it. Then his mid to late 2000s stuff's again excellent. And then from losing to Lesnar onwards, he should have called it a day multiple times, and he didn't. Um, that's my opinion. And I know the documentary kind of covered most of that, but I still feel he should have called it a day earlier. Sure. I didn't pick Taker. 
for one reason. That's because I think he gets he gets the recognition he deserves. I think Foley deserves a bit more of a shout out. Like Foley's put his body through more than Taker has, and I know Taker's had the operations and done everything else, but Foley is generally missing an ear. He's missing a tooth, whereas Taker's got internal things missing. But yeah, for me, I just thought Foley deserved a bit more of a shout out. Natalie. Um, for me, I'm somewhere between Kimbo and Strawn. I think he has got the fan service and the recognition within the industry that his con- the the stuff where he's extraordinary merits and deserves. And the man has put his body on the line for this, and he became fixated with it to the point of really damaging himself. But he is also incredibly inconsistent. There are matches that are difficult to watch. There are matches that you can't take your fucking eyes off them. But for me anyway, Jeff and Becky have been consistently brilliant. I've never watched a match with Jeff and been disappointed. I've never watched a match with Becky and been disappointed. They might not necessarily be the same calibre and they might not have the same history, but that's a matter of time. If you give Jeff a little bit longer... Becky a lot longer, arguably they will get the same sort of response when they do eventually hang up the ring gear and bow out gracefully. I feel like, for me, Taker maybe should have bowed out earlier. And I'm I'm glad he didn't because the graveyard match was incredible and I wouldn't change that out for anything in the world. I think that was absolutely fucking mind-blowingly good. It was incredible, incredible TV. It was brilliant wrestling. It was a great concept. It was a gift from Rona. The only gift from Rona WWE really had at that time. But his inconsistency over the sheer amount of time he's had, I couldn't put him in the same little tick box for me. I do think he deserves, you know, a nod, but there was a reason that I didn't pick it. Strawny. Also, if you look back, Another reason I picked Foley. Look back at that Hell in a Cell match between Taker and Foley. People don't go, oh, Taker did all this. You go, fuck me, Foley went through all that. You realise what Foley put himself through for that match. And even Taker was just like, shit the bed. But yeah, for me, like the reason for me, Foley, is because he did far more work in that iconic match with his body. In defence of Taker, uh, one, the Foley match you mentioned, I believe Taker wrestled with a broken foot or something. I know Mix spoke about it before. Yeah, he did. Taker was injured during that match. Probably why you don't talk about how great Taker was during that match, because, you know, Foley had to do the legwork for him. Um, I will, in Undertaker's defence, say the single greatest wrestling match I have ever seen with my own two eyes is an Undertaker match. Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania will never be beaten. Absolutely never be beaten. And it, it's a it's absolute classic of emotion because it's I believe it's Taker's streak versus Michael's career. And it yeah, it's Shawn Michaels retirement match. And how Taker goes about it and how Shawn goes about it, because He's another one who very easily could have been in this conversation. Shawn Michaels is an absolute goat. Um, 
yeah, I, I won't waffle on too much more about Taker, but he has, he deserves the recognition he gets. I just prefer my three guys more. There we go. So that was more just for the listeners, because I just know uh, listeners listening to this who like wrestling will be screaming, going, none of them pick Taker, none of them pick Taker. There you go. There's your answer. We did actually have a genuine reason. So moving us swiftly on to who are we currently enjoying the most? Um, for, for me, the person I'm currently enjoying the most is by no stretch of the imagination, a new face. This is just arguably, for me at least, and I think a lot of people would agree, the best version of this wrestler we have seen so far. And that's saying something because he has done a lot and had every gimmick ever available ever and all of the merch to go with it. Chris motherfucking Jericho. I cannot get enough of that man. I think this permutation of Jericho is arguably the best Jericho we've had. I think the gimmick is great. I think he's got so much freedom and it shows because he's just going hell for fucking leather from a little bit of the bubbly to Chris Jerry goat to having a cone on his head. Like we've, we know that Jericho uh, Jericho rather, sorry, Jerry goat, <laughs> that Jericho is the goat. He's, he's, he's one of the greatest of all times. And I only didn't mention him in the previous part because I knew I was going to wax absolutely lyrical all day long about him in this section. He's an incredible personality. He's technically proficient. He's mesmerizing. His character work is arguably like second to none. I can't think of anybody that's captivated me every single time the way that he does. Even like the list, which wasn't necessarily the best gimmick ever, was still fucking brilliant. And now we've got this Jericho. We've got angry goth dad Jericho, as we collectively refer to him in our private conversations, um, coming out with a fucking leather jacket in a circle. In incredible move. You know, it's all him. The way that he is using his name and using his image and his gimmicks to push the young talent at AEW as well. I just think this is the most intelligent and the most fun version of Jericho we've seen. I still think he is arguably brilliant in the ring. Like he's now he's getting older, but he's still really fucking engaging to watch. He can hold his own with the younger guys. He makes these, the verbal battles between his rivals and his competitors gripping. You, you want to know, who he's hating and why even like throwaway lines and i know that we talked about him at the beginning but the, the whole shug d pineapple pete thing if it wasn't for jericho and a throwaway line on commentary shug d would not have got the push that he did he is actively using his position to make wrestling at aw at least more interesting for everybody and more accessible for everybody and push the youth and make things happen that wasn't weren't necessarily happening but keep everything that was happening really fresh really engaging and i just i i tune in every week 
just to find out what crazy shit he's going to say. Kimbo. Just wanted to point out on the whole Jericho getting people over. It's not a new thing to AEW. He was, he's been trying to do this in WWE for years. He was the guy who wanted Kevin Owens to get pushed to the moon. Um, the whole, what was it called? The night of friendship him and Jericho had. Um, the match they had at WrestleMania, which was met, originally meant to be for the Universal title before they decided that it was more important to give the Universal title to Goldberg for Goldberg versus Lesnar, which makes all the sense. We're not talking about bad WWE booking decisions, otherwise we'll be here all week. But, you know, Jericho sees talent and he wants to elevate that talent. He, he's done it with Shug, like we've said. Um, then the whole inner circle is benefiting from that, that push. Some arguably shouldn't be because they're not as good as they need to be to be in that faction, but that's a different argument. Um, and then his opponents as well. Uh, Mox has benefited, Cody's benefited, and neither of them really needed that rub. But then Orange Cassidy from this current feud has gone from being this kind of cool, jokey character, being one of the most over guys on planet Earth. Um, the The whole white $7,000 coat that he's been ruined recently. Spoilers, so if you're not up to date with Dynamite, I'm sorry. Um, and the whole fact that reigniting that feud's incredible. Um, and yeah, Jericho deserves some kudos for that. But just wanted to add, back to Natalie. Yeah, I just, I feel like particularly at the moment he's, he's always been an exceptional talent. I think anybody that says that Jericho isn't one of the greatest in the industry isn't necessarily being completely honest because he is he's put in all the legwork he's worked his ass off he's always given he's always given absolutely fucking everything he's got and at the moment like watching him like from the very first aw and thank you the whole thank you thing I was like, this is going to be some fucking cool shit. We're going to see a really cool... The next version of Jericho is going to be super fucking awesome. And he got that immediately from the thank you. And then over the months that have passed since, you've, you've had just the most ridiculous gimmicks, the most ridiculous throwaway statements, but incredible ring work, incredible wrestling with incredible vocals like he he can speak like no one he doesn't need a mouthpiece and then because of the whole coronavirus thing we've we've been gifted with him on commentary and I wasn't even angry that we didn't get to see him wrestle those weeks because Chris Jericho on commentary is just pure gold he's absolutely incredible and I think at the minute like well at the minute over like the last year and a half, say, you've watched Jericho at AEW just really fucking blossom, but like into this magnificent fucking forest. He's not just like a fucking shrubbery. He's, he's a whole fucking ecosystem. He can do everything and you're really seeing it. You're seeing stuff that you we've not been given before. The commentary thing is that I'm not aware of it having happened in the past. And if it has, it's 
gone under the radar but damn son keep that i hope that when everything hopefully at some point does regain some semblance of normality that he does appear on commentary regularly because to take that away from us now we've been gifted it would be super sad he's just a gift he keeps on giving he gets better and better every year he's maturing like a fucking grade a whiskey and I just want to keep sipping because I can't take my eyes off him. And he's a gift every week. I just want to know what he's going to do next, what he's going to say next, who he hates and why. He doesn't like them because of a shirt. He doesn't like them because of their face. He's just, he's silly and menacing and dangerous and hilarious all at the same time. And that's really hard to balance out. You shouldn't be hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Those two bed, they don't go to bed together. And yet somehow he is. So currently, and I say I'm very aware that this is no new face, but Jericho for me has been extraordinary in in recent months. I don't really have additions to this because I knew I was going to go a little bit off with Jericho because I'm super in love with him at the minute. I would just like to shout out there's a, a good selection of women in the AEW women division that I am just hooked on. Um, but I'm going to save commentary on that for the next segment. So, current favourites. Strawn, where are you at? Um, again, for me, it's two not-so-new faces, really. Um, but one who, again, doesn't need a mouthpiece, but that the man who can cut a promo for days and is also great on commentary and that's Cody Cody can cut a promo like no one else I've ever seen he has such a unique lexicon and how he delivers things it's just so engaging and you love everything he does and then when you slide him over to, slide him over to the commentary side of things he comes out with move names that we've not heard for fucking hell like decades like he has an old style upbringing of wrestling thanks to his dad and his brother and it shows that he has a genuine love for the sport and the entertainment side of it all and as a wrestler now he's a, he's just he's he's shining he's doing an incredible thing with aw on the flip side of that you've got again the guy who doesn't need a mouthpiece but mox Mox through and through for me. Mox is my... He's destined to be a Hall of Famer. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's intense. He's terrifying. He's a, a guy you wouldn't want to see in a dark alley at any point in your life because you know he might either smash your face into the nearest wall or give you a hug. And you don't know which kind of iteration of Mox you're going to get that night. And that's, for me, I think those two, they sort of go hand in hand. I think they, they would be great together, but for different reasons. But yeah, for me, I'm not going to waffle on because I've got a lot to say on the next chapter as well. But yeah, Cody and Moxley, just give fucking... One thing I will say, do we do we? Give Cody's fucking name back. It's drawn out. Free the roads. Um, yeah, I'm going to waffle on. I like talking about wrestling. This is the podcast that I've been pushing for for a while. Sorry. Um, I have free because I have free for everything. Um, I'm going to start with 
the first female, I guess, we're shouting out for this section, uh, Oscar. Oscar was the reason I got back into wrestling. The 2018, I think we agreed it was, Women's Royal Rumble, which she won. Um, she came in and she revolutionized how I viewed women's wrestling from growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s. It wasn't bitch fighting and slapping. It was stiff kicks and submission holds, and it was incredible. Um, there's other women I could have shouted out from that rumble. Uh, Banks, Bailey, Becky, but Oscar was absolutely incredible, and she's continued to shine for me, despite some dodgy booking from WWE, which is going to be a constant theme every time I mention WWE. She has gotten over with people to an extraordinary, extraordinary degree. The fact she was a heel spitting green mist in people's faces and people still wanted her to beat Becky Lynch is incredible. The fact they, her and Kairi Sane got over shouting in Japanese and dancing to a recorder is incredible. The awful, awful Money in the Roof match that we've spoken about on that we've never spoken about before on a hidden podcast that we'll never talk about ever again. The fact she crept around and just dived on people, and people were really confused looking for it, is the best part of of that whole show. Oscar's incredible. Um, and she deserves better than WWE give her. I'll stay in WWE for my next guy. Um, Seth Rollins, who I'm going to ignore the one glaring weakness in the whole Seth Rollins is the greatest current wrestler of all time armor, because it doesn't exist. We just won't talk about it. The whole, from when he debuted with the Shield, the turn on the Shield, the reuniting of the Shield, the cash in at money, the money in the bank cash in at Mania that turned possibly the most uninteresting main event of Reigns versus Lesnar into possibly the most watched WWE moment of the last decade is insane. Um, And his current character, the Monday Night Messiah, it is a little CM Punk cult leader-y. I get that. But you have given this man lemons repeatedly. You have put him in a match where the goal is to take somebody's eye out and the match was still incredible. I, I I hear all of his detractors. I hear he's a spot monkey. I hear he's got a limited moveset. I hear it and I, and I acknowledge it to a degree. But when you make that limited moveset work to such a point that you forget it's limited, like you forget that the end of every Seth Rollins match is Super kick, buckle bomb, falcon arrow, stomp. Well, it was buckle bomb. Buckle bomb's gone now. But point stands. You forget that's the end of every Seth Rollins match because he sells it in such a way that it's fresh and new every time. The fact he can go against someone as big as Braun or Kane and pull off a great match and he can go against someone like Dolph Ziggler or Kofi Kingston and pull off a great match is such a credit to the guy. I'd love to see him in a company that didn't restrict him as much. I'd love it. It'll never happen because he is a Vince boy through and through. But 
he doesn't get mentioned enough in the greatest of all time, the greatest current wrestler argument for me. The last one could have very easily gone into ones to watch, but I think he's so over now. He, he kind of surpassed it. He skipped that step. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, like me, salt of the earth, fully aware of his talents. He is the most captivating speaker I think I have seen in 20 years of wrestling. He did a promo on the most recent Dynamite as of as of us recording this, which was, for you listeners, the 29th of, all, of July. As of that Dynamite, that, pic, that one promo was excellent. And it's true, and it's so self-referential to the industry, and he isn't scared to make those ballsy steps and do that. The fact Chris Jericho is currently calling himself the Demo God when he is constantly outdrawn by MJF irks me greatly. I complain about it privately to everyone who listens. MJF should be the demo god, but they're not making it, so whatever. And also in the ring, he's come on leaps and bounds from when when he started, the first match we saw him in the Casino Battle Royale, to his feud, his mini feud with Jungle Boy and the Jurassic Express. That He has elevated himself to such a level if he won a major t- championship in the next couple of months, I wouldn't. I wouldn't guess it. I wouldn't second guess it. I'd buy into it completely. Um, but yeah, for me, they're the best three wrestlers to watch currently. If you have time, loop through their back catalogs. Uh, Rollins, especially if you want, if you want exceptional matches, Seth Rollins has got so many in his back catalog. But the three of them are out. given the pattern of wrestlers I've mentioned of my liking. This will come to absolute. This will come to surprise. My current, I've got two current favourites that I absolutely love watching, and that's Bray Wyatt, Strowman, and they were they were together in the Wyatt family, and then uh, you know Bra- Bra- Braun being the Black Sheep. Ah, I'm tripping over my tongue here, and then he broke away, and then you've got he had Wyatt going off. And sort of not quite reinventing, but switching it up and doing the uh, Firefly Funhouse, all those extra little promos uh, with all the extra. The first time I saw that, I thought it was absolutely brilliant just to see this this little uh, skit that looks exactly like, uh, you know, CB, uh, CBeebies morning car, you know, bit where someone comes on and goes, hello, kids. And then every so often it'll go let me in you know and twist and you're like oh this is going to be some fun shit this is going to be awesome and it turns out it was then the fiend comes out and the first time you see the fiend he's got a twisted up face and he's holding bray's head and using it as a a lantern for me that was just an absolutely genius move to have this thing in him this whole time and then finally bring it out and literally carrying the old wyatt as a lantern absolutely love the pair of them and then and they are brilliant to watch and i think one of the best for me the best of the uh corona matches i've seen was um bray wyatt's fight against john cena that disturbingly cerebral match where it was literally all played out in cena's head 
Uh, it was all seen as old identities, all his old stuff. And Bray Wyatt just basically sat there, basically just sat there like a little puppet master going, it was like, yeah, I'm just going to fuck with your head, boy. Uh, dance puppet. Absolutely brilliant. But what, then watching him, watching Bray Wyatt actually then wrestle as well. Like when you saw him, when Stro- uh, Strowman and Bray Wyatt finally faced off against each other in that sort of, you know, will Strowman come back? Uh, you know, will he, t- you know, will Bray Wyatt get his little pet back? And the the moves they were doing to each other, the stuff that they they were doing, the the athleticism, and the fact that these are men, mountains of men, and they were still doing the stuff they were doing. That just all I always love watching, and that's that's for me. That's just my current favourites to watch. I just love the, I especially love why it's more cerebral stuff. The fact that he does mess with people's heads, it's yeah for me. It's just an absolutely brilliant gimmick what what specifically about braun oh yeah well about about braun Strowman, i just love uh the I, I just love the absolutely huge guy being an incredible athlete it's you know you know what i mean it's like um just seeing he's, he's not just one of these ones that's oh i'm absolutely huge so i'll just put a boot in your face down you go and i've won you know he's not goldberg he can actually wrestle you know, it's not just oh, I've got these handful of moves, bang off you go, I've won. He's actually quite a, a fun wrestler to watch, and because he's, and he also, I love the fact that he plays on the fact that he's an absolutely massive man, and he he, he will do that you know, that comedy skit where someone whacks him with something, and he'll just stand there and turn at them. He he doesn't react. He's just like, are you serious? Did you just try and tie that with me? Then throws. But then does a movie. He doesn't just throw them. He doesn't just pick like it. He doesn't just pick them up and go out the way, little boy. He actually does. He'll actually do a movie. He'll, he'll slam them or he'll take them into the turnbuckle or he'll take them over the take them over the ropes and then follow them out. You know, he he actually he actually wrestles and for a, such a huge guy, it's a, a relief to see that he's he's actually been used as a wrestler, not just as some just some big guy to make some a couple of impressive you know moves and go oh that huge guy just lifted his boot up and put it in someone's face isn't that amazing so well no kane and the undertaker were doing that in the 90s can we move on and Strowman is one of those ones that's shown us yeah he may be massive but is an actual brilliant technical wrestler as well handing us off to the ghost of wrestling future strawny so for the wrestling future and our ones to watch I've got a bit of a different dynamic here. Um, as I've said before, I'm part of the UK scene in terms of that I do behind the scenes stuff. I do like DJing and lights and little bits and pieces. So for me, ones to watch is when this all, or if this ever like dies down, look out for your local wrestling shows. Look out for guys and girls in your scene that will hit the big time at some point. They all started out somewhere. They all started out at a little independent show in the arse end of nowhere. They've all wrestled in front of three or four people and then gone on to be main stage in AW or WWE or Impact or New Japan or wherever it is. So I just want to list off a few quick names. And But yeah, Pedo for you, 
TNT are two massive promotions you should check out in the UK if you're in those areas. But yeah, as for wrestlers, you've got the Myatt Legacy, Jack Nudson, Ben Holland, Andre Delano, Holly Barlow, and Matt Burns. Get on it, folks. Find out the guy or girl in your area and see what they can do. So, like Strawn, I wanted to take a slightly different tact with this. Um, I mentioned in the kind of overview that I watch three companies currently, WWE, AW, Impact. Um, so I kind of wanted to give a shout out to one of each, one from each set. Uh, I'll start with the WWE guy because he probably has the most eyes on him, but um, he's also kind of my uh, swerve pick, if you will. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, he's uh, he's what they class as a cruiserweight in WWE. He's you know he's a smaller guy, but he is got that captivating uh, aura that the kind of Jeff Hardys of the world have, while still being pretty solid in the mic. Uh, he's got that good baby face attitude of being able to fight from underneath. Um, I he's on NXT sometimes when they decide to put a you know, cruise weight match on, and he's he's really enjoyable to watch. I, I definitely recommend uh, watching a few of his matches. Um, I'll move over to someone I can talk about a little bit more um, in Wardlow from AEW. Um, kind of a coincidence. I picked MJF and Wardlow. Wasn't deliberate. I'm, I'm rolling with it. Wardlow's incredible. Uh, Johnson kind of spoke about how. He likes Strowman because he's a, he's a less traditional big man. Wardlow, for me, takes the best part of the old school big men, the big power moves, the simple slams, big clotheslines, boots to the face, boots to the face. And then he'll do a standing swanton bomb. And you're like, what, what have I just seen this six foot five plus behemoth do? It's, it's insane. Um, the agility. I watched a match recently. It was Wardlow versus Luchasaurus from the Jurassic Express, and it was it was incredible. It, the agility of the two guys is insane. And Luchasaurus again is someone great, and it deserves a shout out of his own. But Wardlow's glass ceiling doesn't exist. He can go as far as his attitude, and the company he works for will let him go. The split from MJF will be delicious. And where he goes from there, I, I, I have really high hopes for him. The only thing that you know probably needs a little work, from what I understand, his promo skills aren't the best. So there's, you know, pairing him with a speaker, which, which AW have been very good with doing. They've put their big men with speak with people to do their voice work for them. You know, Taz and Brian Cage, uh, Lance Archer and Jake the Snake. So putting Wardlow with a Matt Hardy, for example, maybe a smart move if you're going to go down a babyface route with Wardlow. Um, but that's future booking. Please check out Wardlow. Finally, my last one has been around a bit longer than the other two. Um, but after watching a Slammiversary not that long ago, I couldn't not say, talk about it. Jordan Grace is everything every woman's division 
on planet Earth means. She's a woman who goes in that weird size category that she doesn't qualify as one of your big hoss women, like your Nia Jax or your Tamina's. Um, but she isn't. She's not a small, agile woman. She is muscular. She would. She would put most men bodybuilders to shame. She's incredible. But she's such a natural charismatic character. Uh, the match uh, Slamversary, I'm not going to go into it too much, but in essence, she's against a wrestler who's a lot more technical, and the technical wrestler has identified her arm and has worked on her arm for the whole match. And to see Jordan Grace as a baby face go, right, I can't, I need to sell this arm, but I still need to get offense in. And she's still doing the slams, but selling the arm the whole time is, it's one of the best wrestling matches I've seen in 2020. And I think we've had a lot of very good wrestling matches in 2020. Um, When, if Impact are ever stupid enough to let her go, she will earn so much money somewhere because they will throw it at her. She is one of a kind unique. Please, please check her out. If you had to, if you only pick one, pick Jordan Grace. Um, I'm going to hand over back over to Johnson. Well, I have only the one to to look um, to watch, and he for me he is, I think the freshest breath of air in wrestling history. It's Sunny Kiss because he is not only is he. Uh, open uh, an openly gay wrestler but he's an openly flamboyantly gay wrestler in as much as he puts that even into the moves his moves come across gay i don't know how he's managing that's how brilliant his wrestling um ability is like when he do he's got these splits drop when he will literally do the splits in air and land on someone in the splits and you're like, that, that's just, if you were to point out and just show that to someone and go, what do you think? It's like, that's a pretty gay wrestler. Yeah, he's massively gay. <laughs> I don't know. And it's, and for regular listeners, you might have worked out uh, a little pattern here. I like huge men and my one to watch is a gay man. Hmm. What do you think? Thoughts on me? But yeah. Um, perhaps, but he's also just a consummate wrestler as well. He's not just breaking down uh, barriers because he's um, uh, African American, as the Americans would say, black, uh, black gay wrestler. He's breaking down so many barriers, but he's actually brilliant at his job. It's one of those you can't say, oh, um, for you know, like some people would, and you know, certain commentators who have been disgraced would call him out, but he's not a token he's absolutely not virtue you know they're not virtue signaling by putting him in he's genuine and absolutely amazing wrestler and i'm really looking forward to see where he goes because i think he'll he could go so far and it will be absolutely enter absolutely brilliantly entertaining to see what that man does i mean um in in terms of sunny kiss i i'd have to agree with you i think that the man is incredibly ballsy to be so open 
and it it's any person working in a sports related industry there are stigmas and taboos which is frankly disgusting in 2020 and for somebody to come out and just be so at ease in their own skin and be and it not be that they are happen to be black or they happen to be gay he is just an extraordinary talent you've seen him work with Dustin and he's been incredible you've seen him work with Jerry Janella and he's been incredible you you see him pair up with people and he's always absolutely fucking mesmerizing I think Sonny is an, an amazing shout out from the, uh, Johnson there mm-hmm. um for me I've been mesmerized by Darby Allen um I know he's pretty over at the minute but I think this is the beginning of what is going to be an extraordinary career. I think in 15, 20 years' time, people will be talking about Darby Allen the same way they talk about um, Jericho and Moxley and Triple H. Kimbo. I don't want to shut on your parade, so I'm sorry. But Darby Allen says he only sees himself doing this for another five years. Yeah, I'm aware of that because he wants to look at his, he wants to go into filmmaking, but I don't necessarily think that that's going to impede on his legacy. In terms of what he does in that space of time, I think he will have a legacy that lives longer than his career does. I think he'll have this narrow window of time where he explodes and he is just a complete force and he does some incredible stuff. I mean, he's he puts his body through such a lot. There's aspects of him that remind me of Jeff and there's aspects of him that remind me of other wrestlers that you can't place. Like, you see him do something and you go, oh, this feels... Familiar, but not in a recycled way. In a, oh, thank you. You've taken something that feels familiar and made it so that I can't even work out why it's familiar because it's your interpretation of it is now the interpretation of it that I love and I'm all about and I want to see more of. I think he's gripping. I think he's breathtakingly interesting to watch. I think his gimmick is amazing. I think his promo work is absolutely fantastic and I think we might not have him for a long time but his name will last a lot longer than his career will I think he's gonna have a very significant impact on the industry whether or not he changes his mind later on and sticks with it or whether he does break away when he's going when he kind of plans to I still think that Darby Allen is going to be a name for future fans to refer back to as can you remember when can you remember when this happened? Can you remember when he did that? Can you remember this match? Can you remember that title grab? I think he's going to be a name to watch. But my primary focus on future, where to watch, what to be looking at, AW's women's division. And I know that I'm meant to be picking names, but it's tricky. Um... But there's so many incredible women in AW. Nyla Rose, her promo work is getting better and better. 
her ring work is getting better and better. Akara Shida, I find absolutely incredible. Um, but I was just so excited when the title change happened because I wanted it for her so badly because she's mesmerising. Britt Baker is absolutely fucking incredible. She's a female heel Jericho and it's, it's just fantastic. And there are so many other women in that division that are showing us what a strong women's division can be. You're not looking at it as the, the same way. We've come on such a long way since diva belts and slapping and mud fighting and banging your partner in the middle of the ring. Like this is this is progress. The AWS yeah. genuine progress. I think there's a lot of extraordinary, extraordinary women doing extraordinary, extraordinary things, fighting just as hard and just as brutally and just as nasty as the men are and getting a title that looks just as cool as the men do, like the men's moms do. So I think like the future, really, guys listening, please, if, you know, I know that the women's divisions for wrestling, they're harder to get over. People don't spend the same amount of time and interest in it because it's seen as like the women's division and somehow that's lesser. These ladies are bringing it. They're bringing it hard. They're bringing it hot and they're taking no prisoners. They are knocking bitches' faces off and it's brutal and it's gritty and it's nasty and it's excellent. So for me, I am deeply interested and very invested in what happens with the women at AEW moving forward because there's an incredible core of women there already and I think it can only get better. I think particularly when you've got somebody as nerdy and into it as Tony Khan heading things up, I think he wants to legitimise women's wrestling and make it not women's wrestling but another division in wrestling. It's not about the fact that they're girls. This is just the women half, and they're bringing it just as hard as the men. I wanted to talk about AEW's women's division after you talked about AEW's women's division, and here's why. I have been very, 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 very negative on AEW's women's division. If you've spoken to me about wrestling, you know this. However, I was also very, 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 very negative on the Deadly Draw Women's Tag Team Tournament and I still think it's a very stupid idea. However, it's free on YouTube. And the first episode went up on the 3rd of August, 2020. And it absolutely changed my mind. So, I'm not going to spoil the results. I'm a gracious god. Salt of the earth. We've been through this. But, I love that in one breath. I'm the greatest thing that ever lived, but humble as hell. Salt of the earth. But talking about this episode, um, they take a person who I believe WWE absolutely um, dropped the ball with in Tanya Conte, who's a Brazilian wrestler with a judo background, and she does a lot of modeling on Twitter, you're welcome, slash I'm sorry if you have a boyfriend. 
Um, but she's very good. She's actually very good at wrestling. And she teamed with Anna Jay, who some, is someone Nat didn't mention, but someone I'm very excited to see in AEW's women's division going forward, especially with the storyline she's got going now with the Dark Order. And they pitted those two against Nyla Rose and former WWE diva Cameron, who now goes by the name Ariane something or another, Andrews, maybe, something like that. Um, and it's possibly one of the best women's wrestling matches I've seen in a long time. Um, there's a point in the match where Tanya, Ta- Tanya, Taya, whatever her name is, uses Ny- Nyla's size and momentum against it in a judo way that makes sense. And how they sell that moment and how it feeds into the rest of the match is incredible. The booking has gotten smarter. The tournament is still stupid. But if it's giving me more matches like this, I'm okay with it. And the signings and progress they're making with the women's division, signing uh, Anna Jay, signing Abaddon, who Abaddon is the most scary creature I have ever seen on planet Earth, human or otherwise. Abaddon's terrifying. Um, And if they go forward and sign, uh, you know, Taya Conte, which I think would be a good move for them based on last night. um, Yeah, I... I fully concur. It's exciting to see where they go with it. I mean, in terms of not mentioning um, Anna Jay and a, a number of the people that you've mentioned there, Kimbo, it, it's literally a case of we had we were meant to have a maximum of three each, and I am so spoilt for fucking choice with this women's division. It's not even funny, and that is amazing. To be in a position where the women's division of an enormous wrestling company is that strong and that solid and that interesting and that damn engaging that you can't limit it to three that you're really excited about to see what's going to happen. Like I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen with all of them. I know not everybody ticks everybody's boxes, not all of them is everybody's cup of tea, but if you're looking at it objectively, as a women's division, damn them ladies are strong and... They're very exciting. It's very exciting times. It's going to be badass, motherfuckers. Kind of piggybacking what you're saying, though. Um, I think women's wrestling across the board has gone, gotten so strong. Again, I watch I watch three different companies. That's uh, between them, because WWE decides to have three shows. That's, you know, five to six shows a week I'm watching now. And the women's division in all, for, in all of them, maybe apart from SmackDown, is incredible. Um, you know, we've spoken about AEW at length, but Impact's, women divi- Impact's women's division is... Ins- it's possibly the strongest women's division in the world right now. Jordan Grace, who I've spoken about, Diona Perrazzo, um, and some of the other names they've got dotted around there. Smiley Kylie Ray, who they poached kind of from AEW. Um, and again, some other names who I'm not going to go on too much about uh, make that division incredible and really strong. And then WWE's war, Raw Women's Division is very strong. 
And now you've added Sasha Banks to what was an already very strong division with Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler, Oscar. Uh, the women's division on Raw is possibly up there with the other two we've just mentioned. And then NXT's women's division is a different league altogether. Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. Um, once lockdown's lifted, we've got Tony Storm coming up. The names we could reel off of these divisions is, is stupid. And if people aren't paying attention to women's wrestling, now is the time. They are all putting their time into it. They're all putting their money into it. Please put your eyes on it. So on that empowering note, I think it's time to remind you that you can find us and contact us on Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr at Train Pop Culture. Drop us an email at trainpopculture at gmail.com. Or tweet us. You can find us at culture underscore train. Signing off. This is Carl. Well, Slangy Vaughn. A little bit of the bubbly.